and this is my Slovak experience. Welcome everyone, I am so glad you are listening. Today's guest is Nasi, a brilliant and actually very funny and super cool comedian who came to Slovakia when she was 15 with her family from Iran. She has a lot to say about what it means to be an immigrant and how even little things, if well considered perhaps, can make the life of all immigrants much more pleasant. It's a very refreshing conversation with someone that feels at home in Slovakia. So, without any further delays, I will leave you with Nasi, the stand-up comedian. Enjoy! Nasi, thank you so much for being in the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I was pleasantly surprised because first I had no idea there could be that combination of opportunities that in Slovakia mm-hmm. you can have... a stand-up comedy in English yeah. that was like what it, how come who, where do you find who is able to do that right you already need to have someone that is able to speak English and so on and at the same time um, then you know somebody from Iran that came yeah, yeah. And, and did that right and that that was amazing but then actually I also I was searching in these days you know if there was something online about you right and then I just googled Nasi stand-up mm. and I got that you're also doing a you know good stand-up in Slovak so yeah. you know <laughs> that, that that's good that's very interesting so how did you get to do stand-up in Slovakia and also being able to do them in Slovak um it, it's been kind of a long journey but it's only like I'm still an amateur technically because I started about two years ago and it all started with the fact that there was this kind of uh, there was a Slovak stand-up comedy group called Silnereci and They were doing regular shows in New Spirit here in Bratislava. Mm-hmm. And my brother once, my older brother, who is also doing stand-up comedy, both in English and Slovak, and mainly with Silne Reci, we started basically performing with them. And he started it, he went there once just with some friends, and then they have like this open mic section, and he tried it out a few times. And then Silne Reci had more and more growth. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was one of the creators of Silne Reci that suggested to Sia that we try doing this for internationals. And then Sia kind of got the idea, Sia's my older brother, by the way. <laughs> uh, he got the idea that we should do this like separately mm-hmm. for English speakers here in Bratislava. So he basically started the group Jokes on You with me mm-hmm. and we started performing for foreigners mm-hmm. in English and we do in Slovak, we do it with uh, Silnereci, Comedy Dungeon and Punchline. And in general, we have we have a f- funny father. So we were just always into making jokes ever since we were kids. Okay. And um, overall, I think stand-up was a great way for us to get exposure as migrants And I mean, at first, obviously, we were doing it just for the shits and giggles, but then we started doing it and we saw what a positive it- impact it can have mm-hmm. and how it can show migrants in, like a new light. But we uh, honestly, like me personally, I never took it as something deadly serious, like this is my responsibility as a migrant to prove to people that we are good people or something like that. At first, it was just like, haha, this is... a me just getting attention from people and I okay. love it. But then I saw that people started like talking about it and they were interested in my story and why I'm there and why I'm in, in Slovakia. So I think it it was kind of like this journey of like weird roads, roads that led to this. 
And uh, so what brought you to, to Slovakia initially? Um, basically, my family and I, my parents and my two brothers, I also have a younger brother, we moved to Slovakia in 2010. We are identified as economic migrants. Mm-hmm. My parents were looking to, for countries to migrate to from Iran because the economic situation was getting worse basically day by day. And for the longest time, they did research, they looked everywhere, and Slovakia both culturally and economically looked the most appealing. And uh, since my mother had some experience also working in the Slovak embassy, she knew that Slovakia would mm-hmm. be the right choice, and she was right. We are very satisfied. Are you also satisfied? Yeah. I, I personally, like, I moved here when I was 15, and now I'm almost 23, and I can honestly say that Slovakia raised me a little bit. Like, I... Learned a lot about not only about living in a different society, in a different culture, but I also learned about what it's like to live life a little bit more freely and to try and become my own human, basically, which I was kind of unable to do uh, as an Iranian. Mm-hmm. So you came, you didn't choose to come to Slovakia, it was basically a choice of your parents. And yeah, you yeah. came here in the school directly so you did what, high school here yeah well? I did high school I did university I did my bachelor's degree and now I'm on my way to do my master's possibly mm-hmm. in Brno maybe in the Netherlands we'll see but that's just because of my subject like it's not such a um, I wanted to delve into the subject of European governance a little bit more so mm-hmm. that's why I might be looking into other countries but Slovakia will always be home to me so and you did the, the school school in Slovak Mm, I did it like basically the first year I had a bunch of classes in Slovak, but then most of my topic was in English. Yeah. So I was Because lucky you, like you're that. You're Slovak, I mean, compared to, to you know, even after <laughs> nine years, I could never ever imagine to you know, have a conversation in this, <laughs> this level. So Thank you. How did you learn that? Uh, I actually went to an international school and also my university was in English. So I learned everything in English, but I integrated into the Slovak society through my school friends. Mm-hmm. So that's one way I got really lucky because uh, when I first especially moved here, a lot of my friends didn't speak a lot of English to me and they thought it would be great for me to <laughs> just basically learn by listening mm-hmm. to them and everything. And I did. Um, but then I found some friends who wanted to learn English. And so then I got a little um, bad at it. But then I started working. I have been working since I was 17 in McDonald's, various cafes, and that also improved my Slovak a lot, just because I was in an environment where I couldn't use English. Mm-hmm. I only could use my Slovak, so that really helped with my learning and integration into Slovak society. Yeah, that's true. So often when, I, when I'm in a coffee shop or, you know, ordering something, somebody tries to re- answer in English oh. while I'm, you know, politely trying Slovak. Yeah. So this, you know, helping foreigners to keep with Slovak is an important thing as mm-hmm. well. And do, do you think, you know, how is with with English around? Is it um, still, when, since you, you came at the beginning, it was something that you, you, you struggled, that's why you learned, or you could I find think, everything I in think English? I struggled a little bit more because I was in various environments because I went from an English-speaking class to Slovak-speaking friends. And so it varied for me, but I think a lot of people, when they first move here, they're in only English-speaking communica- mm-hmm. communities, so they don't get the chance to learn um, like this day-to-day conversations or listen to them as much. 
But there's also the chance that like you may have moved to another city and not necessarily Bratislava, which is one of the more multicultural cities here in uh, Slovakia. So if you moved maybe to like a smaller city, like a lot of um, Scandinavian students do mm-hmm. in Martin, where they go to study medicine, that might be a little bit more difficult for them to find an English-speaking community concretely. So they may have the, a better chance at being exposed to Slovak, especially because mm, it's not that the Slovaks <laughs> don't know how to speak English, but the general level of English may be lower than most European countries. Mm-hmm. But it's not the lowest, let's say. Yeah. That, but we, we, who, who would know, right? Depending sometimes on individual and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, true. But I, I think, you know, there already the fact that you... You are, you are able to speak very nice Slovak that proves that it's possible so you yep. just need perhaps to try harder or to you know, force somebody to not to not you know use English at the same time yeah uh, how do you find you know coming from from Iran many years ago I don't know if do you do you go back from time to time yeah we do but not as often as most migrants we go back like maybe two year, every two years every four years something like that And what was your impression when you you came to Slovakia and if you compare with the environment where you were born? Um, it was certainly a culture shock. I mean, on many levels, um, my parents prepared me in advance. They were like, we are migrating to another country. We're not going for holiday. This is not a long vacation. We're going to live somewhere else now. This is going to be a different culture. Mm-hmm. This is going to be different mindset, different people. So, and uh, ever since, because they're English teachers, both of my parents, ever since I was a kid, I was exposed to Western culture through movies and TV series that Mm -hmm. they used to watch in order for us to improve our English. And so on many levels, I was already kind of like ready to understand that I'm no longer living in a Middle Eastern society where people, um, especially in my country, are like... mm, dictated also by this interpretation of religion mm-hmm. through the government. Um, but we are living in a society where religion doesn't necessarily dictate uh, and people have most of their values based on like democracy and things okay. like that. So it, mm, I was kind of prepared, but there were so many things that, you know, when you move somewhere, when you start living somewhere else, there's a lot of things that you can't prepare yourself for. So there was like the concept of people here, for example, didn't care as much about how I dressed. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't like I would walk around in a bikini or something. But if I was wearing something, I don't know, ever so slightly more exposing in Iran, even at home, there may be some people who would be like small minded or narrow minded and might judge me for it. But here people don't really care that much. And I love that people have this kind of like personal space or distance from each other and they respect that. I really, I really appreciate that. So that means that you, somebody doesn't dare to judge in uh, such a direct way. Especially, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's great because it, you know, it, there are certain things they don't care about, and I, I, I really love that. If I, my very first impression of Slovakia was the, I don't care country. Just when I like, I would, I remember, um, maybe one of the most vulnerable moments I've ever experienced once we moved was uh, in Iran, we have compulsory hijab, which means you have to cover your head. And when we arrived already in the airport, my mother told me like, hey, you can take your scarf off. And I did. And no one looked, no one said anything. And it was oddly weird because I had been raised in a country for 15 years mm-hmm. where I was told that women have to cover their heads. It's compulsory. And people will look at you if you remove your hijab in a weird way. But then when I did, it was 
it was such as like slow motion movement and like nobody nobody you cared. remember those movements yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen gentlemen come to slovakia is the i don't care country <laughs> indeed it is i mean at least for middle easterners <laughs> it's it's a bit of a shock like that but maybe also i there were so many things that i didn't get exposed to as a teenager because when we moved here i went to school so i was like in a different community or a different place but when you move here as an adult it's a whole other experience yeah and when you when you when you go back do you have the opportunity to to still do this comparison and you know share mm, your stories i think obviously as a migrant when you go back to your home country it's always a lot of things that you realize you didn't even know you missed you're like oh man i missed this about here and i missed that and mm-hmm. at the same time it's always such an obvious change in environment especially because of the heat <laughs> we have we have like much greater heat in iran um overall i think going back to iran is always a pleasure but it's always also a great reminder as to why i don't want to live there anymore mm-hmm. it is my home country it's where i was born and raised it's um, like the roots of my culture and my mother tongue that's where i get it all from but it's not a country where I can live mm-hmm. and there are certain things that Slovakia has provided me with that I demand to have now as a person who's lived away from her home country so this this is maybe something that I that I've noticed whenever I go back mm-hmm. what's your relationship with uh, with Slovaks now like you're here I guess there everybody's asking some some questions about where you're from and yeah all things, right mm. I mean, I love them, but I also hate them equally because I live with them. So, <laughs> uh, I've I've experienced Slovaks on many different levels. I've experienced Slovaks who hate me for no reason, especially after I started doing stand-up and my videos went viral. They just showed me blunt hatred for absolute no reason. Like I would huh. see it in Facebook comments where people would just want like wish me death or hate on me for what kind of reason but, but that's are the, the trolls but these are yeah of course they're not human these are yeah. you know, some <laughs> artificial intelligence doing this stuff could be could be i mean it's overall the fact that i'm from uh conservative middle eastern culture is mm-hmm. scary for them because they're not exposed to it as much i've met with slovaks who were indifferent towards me um they were like where are you from and i said iran and they're like oh cool all right but they didn't ask me more mm-hmm. and they didn't need to sometimes there's like really no need for people to forcefully introduce their culture <laughs> to each other you can just be who you are and at the end of the day you will be an iranian that that person yeah. knows and um there were a lot of people and and this is the experience that i get most commonly um which is when people are curious about who i am and where mm-hmm. i'm from and what's iran like and oh my cousins dogs neighbors husbands plant is going to iran soon so <laughs> uh tell me all about it and um it's uh, most of the time it's always been a little bit of curiosity with a lot of disappointment because <laughs> people are like why slovakia <laughs> and that's the most common like question i get, get everywhere in the world yeah right exactly yeah, yeah yeah so why oh my god it sucks here and i'm like okay if you don't want it you can go <laughs> No, but I always I always tell them that once you live somewhere like in Iran, then you'll see why Slovakia. And you'll start to appreciate even the smaller things if you didn't notice them before, you'll start noticing them now. And um overall, I would say I've had a very positive experience with Slovaks, especially in the sense that I wasn't exposed mm-hmm. to severe racism 
even if I am, it's again, it's my parents prepared me in the sense that they always told me, if you ever experience racism, don't take it personally because racism is essentially everywhere. There's stereotypes and discrimination everywhere in every country. There's nothing you can do to really avoid it. It's best that you just simply prepare yourself mm -hmm. for the outside world. And they were right. Like even in my own country, we have a lot of discrimination and stereotypes against, for example, Turks or Arabs and it's almost or Afghans and it's it's embarrassing that sometimes I uh, think about the kind of like jokes or stereotypes we make about them and then I come here and then I would start complaining about people being racist towards me you know mm -hmm. so I I know that if ever anyone says something bad about me especially because of my nationality or my ethnicity it's because they're not necessarily exposed and or they just are simply ignorant and it's really not something that i should invest my time or energy in no. so it's i don't know it, i don't think i've ever had something such an awful experience here and as i said i grew up here i kind of feel like i owe a lot of my personality and who I am to Bratislava and Slovakia so there isn't anything I can say about Slovakia that's like too awful or something mm -hmm. okay but you, you so you, you didn't have a direct extent except on Facebook maybe but a direct experience with uh, with this Mm -hmm. What do you think, Gara? What, what is generating this racism at this point? It's more not, not knowing at the end, right? It is. It's it's not knowing. It's people who generally live in desperate situations and frustrating situations don't have the time to inform themselves on such sensitive and complicated topics such as racism, disc discrimination and stereotypes. Mm -hmm. When you, especially because the fact that Slovakia is one of the poorer EU members, um, a lot of the people who are from smaller towns and uh, have not been exposed to a multicultural community, mm -hmm. they will often blame their desperation and frustration on that what they don't know mm -hmm. because they don't have the energy or time to mm, inform themselves that this is not necessarily the reason mm -hmm. why they're miserable or something. So with with poorer regions, this is very common. And even if even if you're not necessarily from a poorer region or you weren't necessarily raised like that, uh, more often than not, it's a matter of lack of exposure and information. Mm -hmm. So since Slovakia is not the most multicultural country, it is perhaps common that people will say racist things and look at you differently if you have like a darker skin tone or something mm -hmm. like that. But I think overall, it's it's not something that can like not be dealt with. And overall, I think Slovakia is one of those countries that actually has the potential to become a multicultural country, especially because of its history and because of the fact that at the end of the day, as I said, people here have kind of like, I don't care mentality. And if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. <laughs> That's true. But at the same time, also, I guess there are many people that they don't, don't have the opportunity to meet Iranians and ask the necessary question right, and true. understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I would like to learn everything. Like I would like to spend you know, 15 hours on this podcast <laughs> and no, because I also personally never had the opportunity to, to know mm -hmm. 
and you know you tell me uh, I, I i show some of your your you know stand ups and you talk mm-hmm. about that you know you are an immigrant and you play a lot with the you know the fact that you are feeling immigrant and what what are the jokes about it with mm-hmm. Slovakia i'm also an immigrant right yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, there is no difference between iranian immigrants and italian immigrants mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. czech immigrant right yep, or yep. hungarian they're all from a different countries if we mm-hmm. consider the boundaries uh, yeah. i think so uh, there is just maybe a different culture but uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, ever since also the uh, refugee influx and the refugee crisis, the word immigrant became synonymous with something else. And for example, people really forget about the fact that if Slovaks are living in other countries, they're also considered as immigrants. You know, my friends and I, we always joke about this because I have several friends who are studying abroad and they are technically immigrants. But they don't look at themselves as migrants. Mm-hmm. They just think of themselves as citizens who are living abroad, people who are just studying abroad and things like that. But technically, if you pack all your stuff, move from your country of origin to another country, and you actually plan on staying there and you live there and you are integrating into their society and learning about their culture, you are a migrant. Mm. And But people don't see that anymore because it, the word immigrant and refugee has become synonymous with something that's negative, that's unknown, and that's caused by a civil war in the Middle yeah. East. So now they see it completely differently. That's Not completely cool. differently, but there's like the more common connotations is there. And this is also part of your studies, right? So you, mm-hmm. you think, talk about geopolitics and mm-hmm. uh, this area. Any, any ambition you have for your uh, I mean, future? at the moment, I do... And like I have this dream of becoming maybe a, a researcher or a journalist in the field of political science and international relations. But I think academically speaking, I have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I still have a lot of studying and learning to do, which I look forward to. But overall, um, when I did my uh, degree here in Bratislava, I learned so much about uh, the, how the world works and how politics influences governments, people, and countries and nations, and it's it's incredibly interesting. It can, it can get really dark, <laughs> but overall it's something that I'm really interested in and I would love to learn more about it. Hmm. Maybe educate others <laughs> as well. But the stand-up is already a strong uh, yeah, channel to definitely. share. You know, with the contrast and with humor. It is. It's always, also it's a great tool because as you said, as you add in humor, it makes things a lot easier to comprehend and to consume. Whereas like for with news and articles, sometimes it can be a bit difficult to read mm-hmm. without it becoming too serious or too threatening. Are you doing them more in Slovak or in English now? At the moment, I'm doing more Slovak shows, but that's just because I haven't prepared enough English material. Okay. But um, thankfully, I'm getting... Uh, we have a lot going on with Jokes on You as our English uh, stand-up and... More or less, throughout the summer, it's always harder to do shows because there's not a lot of people left in Bratislava Mm -hmm. and everybody's on vacation. But when people come back, we start around like September, like the new season. And um, even even with Slovak stand-up, there's more shows then. So I'm going to be doing a lot more in the upcoming months. Mm -hmm. So good luck for those. Thank you. Thank you. And um, so you, we, we talk about, uh, you know, people that meet you and ask you, why Slovakia? So mm-hmm. I'm asking you the same, why, why Slovakia? What are the, the, the things, the maybe three or four things that you consider particularly, you know, positive of living in Slovakia? 
Um, I mean, as an Iranian, there's a lot that I can be thankful for because there are certain there are so many things that I'm missing in my own country, especially as a woman. Um, it's not that women are necessarily second class citizens in Iran, but there are a few rights that we're missing that may be essential to womanhood as and or women. So when we moved here, first of all, the freedom to dress how I like, the freedom to study what I like, the freedom to basically marry who I want to mm-hmm. and that you couldn't do yeah yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. There, there was so much that I couldn't do even even though my parents are incredibly liberal and open-minded that one of the reasons why they wanted to move was because they were looking for a better future for their children mm-hmm. and um, I think one of the greatest things I can ever be thankful for is the stable economy the fact that um, my parents beforehand they if when we lived in Iran it's very common that you don't move out of your parents' place until until you are married with a full-time job and a, like a stable income, then you can move out. Otherwise, it's too risky and you might actually become homeless very quickly. Okay. So, um here, both my older brother and I, after a couple of a couple of years of living with our parents, we were able to move out. I found a full-time job. I was able to move out, pay my bills, and I was 20. Mm-hmm. And I was 20 and I was already achieving this. And I have cousins who are living in Tehran and they're almost 30 and they cannot do this because of the economic instability, the basically the lack of um, predictability. It's mm-hmm. it's so it's so frightening and on mm-hmm. so many levels. And that's one of the reasons why there, I love Slovakia and I'm very thankful to it because there are so many things that I can set goals for and I don't have to be afraid that tomorrow there's going to be a great influx and there's going to be great inflation like there is in my own country mm-hmm. and I won't even be able to not only pay the rent but I won't even be able to pay for food you know there are certain things that people don't necessarily see when they've been living here their whole lives or living in an economically stable country and I wish I could show them without necessarily like them experiencing it because it's not it's not a fun experience And I think that's one of the things I'm most thankful for. And I, this stable economy allowed me to learn so much already at the age of 20 that many of my friends and family don't have the opportunity to do so. There are not so many 20 years old Italians that are already out there and yeah. living. To, they mostly study and stay with mom yeah, yeah. and dad, right? So in this case, I see you already as advanced, <laughs> even for Slovak standard I would say actually it's not because no? here they're very used to the fact that by the time they go to university they go away mm-hmm. or at least in Bratislava I, I heard most commonly that um, most of my friends who studied with me in, in, in international schools they went to other countries to study and most of the people that studied with me at my faculty here in Bratislava they moved from their small town or village to Bratislava to study and they were very okay with it they were already like 17, 18 and they moved out And for them to think about how there's like a 31-year-old person living with their parents, they're like, they won't even, they can't even comprehend because they're like, why won't, mm-hmm. why don't you want the freedom? But yeah. it's not, I think the freedom, it's the lack of, you know, stability that we're missing. I didn't know it was that bad in Italy, though. Well, that's, that's a, the basic, uh, also because the university takes a bit longer to mm-hmm, be finished. Mm-hmm. But in, in general, I mean, but of course we, we have to talk, right? we don't have statistics at hand, we just talk about our yeah, personal yeah, yeah. experience, but personal mm-hmm. experience, people nearby, 
usually uh, 20 years old is way too early. You mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. you know, think about studying and, you know, having fun. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, definitely not an, an activity. Mm-hmm. And how is the life from, from your perspective? So on top of, you know, paying your bills and mm-hmm. working, but, you know, life of, you know, going out for restaurants or meeting friends and people, mm. how do you enjoy it? I think um, basically being able to speak Slovak really obviously helps for sure on so many levels because it helps you integrate into Slovak society and you get to meet a lot of lovely people who'd love to speak English but they're too shy (laughs) and or um, generally it's a great sign of respect. Uh, You get a lot of respect from Slovaks once you start speaking Slovak because they also acknowledge the fact that their language is incredibly hard Mm -hmm. and so even if you're able to order beer they're going to like give you a crisp high five and tell you like good job welcome to Slovakia (laughs) but um, I'm lucky enough to have a group of friends who wouldn't mind speaking in English with me overall but I also have like several groups of friends that I only speak Slovak to I live with uh, Slovaks so we mainly speak in Slovak Um, I have friends I have groups of friends who are Slovak but speak in English to me I have groups of foreign friends who are speaking in English to me I have groups of foreign friends who speak in Slovak to me I'm I'm very lucky in the sense that stand-up also provided this platform for me to get to meet a lot of lovely new people both from the foreign community and also the um, Slovak community so I'm, I'm I love life here overall I think um, stand-up has given me uh, the chance to not only meet new people but speak out about my experience overall mm. uh, you, you started as a stand-up but that's not the only way of living right for you for the moment no 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 I, I'm currently working as a tutor of English and uh, I'm also doing translation work between like Slovak and Persian and overall, I think stand-up, I'm, I'm lucky because I also get paid for a, a bunch of my gigs. So I can also earn some money from that. But And overall, I'm taking um, like basically some time off before my master's. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting to experience basically life of a foreigner without the identity of a full-time working person and also the identity of a student. So I get to experience life at various points. I like it. <laughs> Do you enjoy also some local food? What's your favorite? Uh, I don't mean to be basic, but Brinzova Halushki is my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I, I really uh, enjoy Brinzova Halushki, um, especially because of the bacon. Oh my God, the bacon is amazing. Uh, and uh, I also love Piroshki. And um, no, they're called Pirohi here. Oh my God. Where <laughs> uh, is Piroshki? Is in Poland or... Yeah, I think it's oh, in Russian. I'm I not sure. No okay. uh, but Piro here are really nice. Uh, all, um, besides that, I genuinely enjoy McDonald's. <laughs> but uh, overall, I also enjoy Slovak alcohol. There's so much to adore about this particular concept. Like beer or? Uh, Borovička. Borovička. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite uh, spirits. Gets, it, gets the job it's done. It's mostly a s- s- swallowing experience than yes. <laughs> sipping and enjoying it. Uh, that's That goes maybe for um, Ribezlak, which is uh, blackberry wine, I'm not sure, or it's like uh, sweet berry wine. Yeah. It's the most delicious wine okay. I've ever tasted in my life. And the problem is that it, it tastes like juice. So you keep drinking it. <laughs> And then you forget it, that it has like 14% alcohol. Yeah, and a lot of sugar, so you <laughs> yes. get much more. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, 
Cool. Um, but uh, any anything you miss in this case from food perspective or from from Iran and uh, um, that area? Actually, there, if there is ever any recommendation I give to uh, people who want to visit Iran, I'm like, try the food. The only thing that can never ever be replaced is the food and the loving embrace that mm-hmm. Iranians have. Obviously, there are thousands of other cultures who are welcoming and open mm-hmm. and everything. But with Iranians, there's just something so magical, especially for people who have been living in kind of like a conservative and difficult life, let's say. Mm-hmm. It's always so beautiful to see that they are going to give you whatever you need. If you are a guest, like if they have two pieces of like two crumbs of bread left, they will offer it to you. They're incredibly hospitable okay. people. And I, I love that about Iranians. I love the fact that we are also party people. We will start singing and dancing and every party And every family gathering that we had, there was always like one person that had an instrument and another person that would start singing. And I, I really genuinely miss that because I don't find that here as much. And the food, oh my God, the food, the rice, the the stew, like the meat, everything. Just because Iran, um, Iranian culture is very old, basically. People have been resident in that area for more than like a thousand years. So our cuisine is pretty developed And um, I don't think I can ever find anything similar, to be honest. <laughs> anything we that is brought to the this world, right? Something. I like. think rice and kebab. That's the most that was like exported to you guys. But kebab in general, and, and not just the Turkish version, but also the side like the grilling. That that like I wish I could show people more Iranian food. <laughs> Honestly, if I had the cooking skills, I would do it. But distribute um, during the stand-up, for example. Yeah, right? ooh, we would have like so many more attendees. <laughs> But um, I don't think I'm. I'm not sure. Maybe something. There are similar. We have similar dishes to some Hungarian dishes. Like goulash is very similar to something what we have in Iran. But I. Th- I don't think it's necessarily related. I wish. I wish I could like show people. I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> hmm. And uh, did you ever have some? Uh, you know, people visiting you from from there coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I actually have some cousins visiting uh, from Iran. Some cousins who were living in Iran, but also now live in Germany or or Canada. And what did you show to them when they uh, came? <laughs> and they were obviously. I took them to castles like the Bratislava Castle, the Jevin Castle, and we walked them next to the Danube with my family. But overall, I think one of the things we wanted to show them was how people drink in Slovakia. <laughs> and like, we were really bragging about that too. <laughs> But um, But you, you, you are not able to drink in Iran or it's uh, yeah, drinking Yeah, you can't, less? you can't. It's, not at all? Uh, no it's p- pubs where you can find it or nope. anything? I mean, people obviously find it illegally. Black market of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. alcohol. Okay. Yeah, we have, we have like um, homemade alcohol, which tastes nothing like the homemade alcohol here in Slovakia. So I think that's another reason why me and my older brother especially are very thankful because we're like mini alcoholics. Like <laughs> in order to integrate into Slovak culture, we really became alcoholics. And that's one of the things we wanted to show to our friends and cousins who visited as well about like how 
awesome pub life is here and how like you know you go from one small group sitting at a table and by the end of the night everyone's talking and enjoying themselves and just no one cares about who you are and what you're doing people are just genuinely enjoying your company mm-hmm. and that's it no one's like there were so many cases where sometimes i would be worried i'd be like oh my god that looks that guy looks suspicious is he being discriminatory to, against the fact that we are speaking in english and then we realized he wanted to join our group and like buy us beer and we we're like yeah come on over and there's there's so much to love about pop culture here but after the boroviska like before there is yeah. i don't care and then <laughs> exactly. i'm your friend forever. exactly exactly what's what's so lovely about slovaks is that um they always maintain the distance they're not openly 100% friendly like what i'm used to i would say like we're very warm blooded where i'm from so we will instantly become besties if you give us a chance we'll like instantly want to be your friend we'll do whatever we can but here in slovakia people maintain their distance it takes a while for you to befriend the slovak especially if you're from a different country but then they get drunk and they show you all the love in the world <laughs> And then like their their kind their defenses come down and they're very nice and you know they're not shy or embarrassed to speak to you so I I've always loved that about Slovaks and like especially I remember my classmates in university at first they wouldn't really talk to me that much mm-hmm. but then we would get drunk together at like mm, campus festivals or or together at at like team buildings or something like that and then I would get to see their softer side <laughs> and i appreciate it very much <laughs> it is a part of their culture it's mm-hmm. undeniably a part of who they are even especially if you are a slovak or or like an eastern slovak person that doesn't drink it's like why what happened <laughs> or at least this this has been my experience mostly that when you tell people that you're not necessarily much of a drinker or you're not necessarily into drinking it's always been questionable at least in the communities where i hang except if you're the driver Yeah, that's no no, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> But I've also even come up with cases like where people were like, "Okay, so when are you driving again? It's okay, you have time till then to do like one shot with us or something like that." <laughs> so I I would say it's it's a big part of their culture. Sometimes it can be a negative thing for sure, but mostly it's been positive for me so far. Mhm. And um if you would have um magic wand right oh god what what would you change in slovakia what has still to be improved um i think what i would like to change maybe not just in slovakia but overall but maybe in slovakia it's a bit more necessary it's um casual discrimination you know something that's um what's hilarious is that or what's maybe hypocritical is that Slovaks sometimes I've seen they don't have a lot of national pride. They don't especially when they ask you like why Slovakia? Oh my god, this place is a shithole. Why would you even move here? They don't have pride in that sense in their country, but they will gladly discriminate against minorities, especially um Roma people or Hungarians. And sometimes it's so very casual in conversation sometimes when i hear it i'm like dude how can you say something like that about hungarian people it's like well you know and sometimes it's even integrated into their language when they say sing, say something like pishishiagmagor which means like you write like a hungarian oh, it's true. there are a lot of also with gypsies yeah. Kind of. yeah yeah and it's very casual yeah and 
the end result is like, for example, one of my friends who's barely come into interaction with any Hungarian or any Roma or Gypsy people, but she will casually just be racist towards them yeah. or discriminate against them. If I had a magic wand, I would try to eliminate that because that's very dangerous. It's very unhealthy behavior. And it's the kind of behavior that kind of fuels extremist ideology. It's the kind of casual racism that maybe ends up in like a very ugly bar fight and it turns people against each other. It's the casual racism that kind of fuels these like hate speeches and things like that. If I could remove that, I would because there's nothing wrong with being a little bit more sensitive towards minorities. You know, I've always said that minorities are not, um, you know, like a side dish. We're a part of the community as much as the majority just because you don't pay attention to us or you don't see us as much doesn't mean that we don't live in the same city as you. Just because um, when they murdered the journalist and his girlfriend back mm -hmm. in February, just because it was about Slovak government and corruption in the Slovak government didn't mean that the foreigners weren't pissed off or frustrated or scared, you know? We were there at protests. Mm -hmm. We were like walking by them side by side because we are a part of their community just yeah. as much as they are. Uh, we, we all live in the same, in this place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're not living in some like separate, like separated by a wall or something. But, but the, this kind of silent, uh, unconscious bias that is also part of the, the basic culture, mm -hmm. how would you get rid of it? Like by standing if you hear it or what would you do? No, not necessarily. I would, I would, what I did with most of my friends, again, this doesn't mean that they're bad people. And this doesn't mean that they would actually do something awful if they ever come into interaction, interaction with a minority. What I do with them is that I kind of give them like this small sensitivity training. And again, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility, but I feel like it would help. And what I do is that I'm like, so what's the difference between me and a gypsy? And they're like, but you're an immigrant. I was like, well, I'm a minority. I'm not from here. And they're like, no, no, Nasha. that's the phrase that they use. And I ask them not to. I tell them, I'm not necessarily your friend. I'm also a migrant. I'm also a minority. I'm also dark and skin, dark skinned. And if somebody said something like that about me, you would be mad at them. And just because you don't have any gypsy or Hungarian friends doesn't mean that they should hear kind of shit like mm. this or they should be discriminated against like this. So I think in my opinion, what we can do is just start questioning why they speak like this or why would they ignore something like this and slowly like make them rethink, rethink their values towards certain people or certain minorities. Are there some similar kind of dict or way of saying in uh, Iran about uh, women, for example, or about other minorities there? Mm, yeah, you mean like, are there any stereotypes yeah, towards people? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Obviously, for example, I would compare um, the gypsy or Roma minority to the Afghan minority in mm. Iran. Uh, a lot of them are escaping kind of like a war-ridden situation and they are basically refugees who may or may not be documented and they have a difficult time integrating into our society because we're like, oh, you guys are like filthy Afghans and things mm -hmm. like that. And um, because like maybe two or 
even more like 500 years ago a bunch of afghans came over and had war with iranians people are still upset about that and there's <laughs> they were perhaps not even alive yeah they time. weren't they definitely weren't alive and not even their like grandparents parents were alive that during that time and they still have the audacity to like hold this grudge as a tradition and it's it's so weird it's so fucked up that like you know during communist times or or during the second world war people had a lot of hatred towards uh the jewish minority that lived to in here in slovakia because the nazis treated slovaks extra harshly if they helped the jews mm-hmm. or if they were surrounded by the jewish um, uh, communities and people still actually have this traditional grudge against jewish people here for some reason i mm. i never understood that obviously because i've i've never held a grudge like this against anyone for no reason but that's that also maybe because of the fact that maybe as a migrant i just automatically try not to discriminate as much but that's that's probably a positive side of being a yeah, foreigner in, for sure uh, in a different countries that since you are the one that potentially is in that minority you mm-hmm. you understand much more of, for sure uh, for sure you know how others might feel mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. so going perhaps you know not only traveling but you know trying to live in another country would be a beneficial thing for everyone yeah i it certainly would i definitely recommend it to a lot of people but also to a lot of people i say don't <laughs> Because migrating is not something that everyone has the, I don't know, maybe spirit to do. Because, um, for example, I see a lot of my friends leaving Slovakia to go study abroad because they're like, oh, Slovak universities are shit. I don't want to study here. No, forget it. This country's (laughs) forgotten. This country's like too lowly for me. And they leave. And they go to study abroad in, in England, for example. But migrating takes a lot of courage, a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of strong spirit. But these kids, especially at like the age of 18, they don't have what it takes to go away. But their parents send them away anyway. And then for maybe the three years of their lives that they're spending there, they suffer because they're unable to integrate and they keep coming back for the holidays. So they are not necessarily living in Slovakia, but because they're unable to integrate in England, they're not living in England either. And it's always like, you didn't have to move. You could have maybe just taken a gap year. Um, and what's a move in English or to learn the language at the same time? Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like so it's, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of people that I would also yeah. recommend don't necessarily move because you think life is uncomfortable and don't make such massive decisions without proper research and proper like planning yeah that's true i remember when i was i, I did erasmus for i think it's one of the most amazing programs in european yeah, yeah, union yeah. Like definitely, definitely for like six months abroad mm-hmm. and i remember they were always like the that i always tried to not to keep far away but they were the groups of italians right yeah, yeah, yeah. always together like mm-hmm, speaking italian mm-hmm. being there with italians and grouping all the time and mm-hmm. there was no opportunity for 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 these groups to just integrate with anything else mm-hmm. And that's probably the thing I was always trying to avoid. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the best thing in a country is to just be part of the country. Right? That's already the expat uh, concept of being mm-hmm. in a different environment, but just not touching it too much. Yeah, That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you recommend to a foreigner that comes to Slovakia, or maybe is deciding to come, mm-hmm. uh, how, how to, to deal with this experience? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, actually, one of the things you mentioned right now, the fact that you shouldn't, just because you moved from one country to another and you're missing your home doesn't mean you should just instantaneously go back to your own like nationality. It, it takes strong spirit. It, it's not always a smooth ride, but it's worth it, especially here in Slovakia. As I said, once the Slovaks feel a little bit more comfortable with you, they will open up to you and they will accept you no matter what nationality, ethnicity, sexual orientation. I, at least my experience here in Bratislava has always been very positive in that sense that people opened up to me and maybe it took a few beers. <laughs> maybe it didn't. But it it's always been such a great experience, especially because I didn't have a lot of Iranian friends when we moved. There weren't a lot of Iranians that I could hang out with. And that was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because I was always like, oh, man, I wish I wish I was like born in Slovakia. And then I realized, actually, I don't have to be like that. I can just be an Iranian among Slovaks and they can love me for who I am. And it's as I said, it's not always easy. <laughs> But it's definitely worth it. And going back to... Th this doesn't mean that you should like cut off communication with Italians or something like that. But <laughs> I think going back to your own community is just basically the same as living in your own country, just yeah. like with different conditions, maybe. You know, that's, that's never a great move. And I've noticed that, like, for example, a lot of the people, especially who work in corporations or, and already have their group and have their people around them, they don't really enjoy their life in Slovakia as much, you know? They don't integrate into Slovak society. They Both sides, both Slovaks and expats who don't integrate and don't communicate have discriminated against each other. You know, they don't, they think like, oh, that person hates me without even talking to them. And there's like this automatic form of, you know, dislike and hatred. So if there is anything, it's just, just share a beer. Just share a Brinzova Halushki and you'll see how far it can go. Yeah, let's share a Brinzova Halushki. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. So like on top of diversity, that means, you know, having acceptance of other minorities. But yeah. what you share is it's important to include, to, you know, integrate, to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to open up. And uh, do do you have this as a um, kind of personal interest as well to communicate in your stand-up comedies as well? To like, is that the message you're sharing? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think with stand-up comedy, I always try to make, um, I always share my personal experiences. So it may not always be 100% relatable, but I always try to have some sort of message, like like a small point to each stand-up that I do sometimes it's absurd most of the time it's like hey I'm I'm like from a different country but I'm, I'm I'm similar to you guys you can see that we have something in common and I don't know I don't again I it's not my responsibility to do this I'm not not all foreigners have to be all communicative and share their culture 24 mm -hmm. 7 because you're just trying to live your life here but um I think overall I always try to carry like a small message of what it's like to live live as a minority here. But at the same time, I don't want to be constantly reminding people to like, hey, I'm from a different country. I also want them to know me as Nasi, the stand-up comedian. I always wonder if um, stand-up comedians are bringing, you said you bring your personal experience, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but is it uh, always the, uh, and it is a personal question, right? When, when, you, sure do it, uh, when you do personal, the, the, your experience, is it like always a 
true fact with some narrative in it or it's 100% true fact what do you think I think it's always like a true fact with a narrative in it like obviously it's not always 100% accurate of, of to what happened but if when you're trying to deliver a message definitely sometimes you have to manipulate the story so that it benefits both the message and your story and i think sometimes it's not always easy but that's why as comedians we always have to work on it especially here in the Slovak stand-up comedy scene improvisation is very rare we we have to work on our material improvisation means that you don't have any schedule yeah, or anything you just get no there script. and you just go on and okay. like speak but like in, there are some stand-up comedians that do that but most of us prepare our sets in advance and especially for example with Silnerechi uh we have themes like um a couple of months back we had Silne Susetskerechi which was um neighbor language like talking about neighbors and neighborhoods and things like that before had we had um silne penyas nerechi which was like your experiences with money so mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about that is not only do we get the challenge to talk about a certain theme but we also get to share our personal stories do you have anybody who are inspired uh, in your favorite stand up comedians there or? there are so many people especially in my own like comedy groups that inspire me so much um there's Jakub Lužina, Tomasz Hudak, there's um for example I would uh, even say like Martin Hatala, Luisa Shoko, all these people, Gordulich, um they they do they they're dedicated to their craft and they are whenever they're on stage they kind of touch people with mm-hmm. their material and they are They know what they're doing. They they're very good at what they're doing. And it took them a couple of years to get where they are. So I I aspire to be like them and work on it for as long as I can. And for example, it, whatever it is, whether it's like a personal story or whether you are trying to take a very commonly known concept and just change the perspective of the people who are present in the room, it it takes a lot of skill, so I want to earn that kind of skill. And overall with like international comedians I think my favorites are like George Carlin, Michelle Wolf and people who generally go against the common concepts that are just known to everyone and they try to change people's minds and I really really love that. I think that takes a lot of courage and skill. Stand up comedians are uh you know can be enough powerful not only to change minds but to uh you know change a lot of things yeah yeah well, for right? sure there are examples uh, of some you know comedy guys that became president of the United States many years ago <laughs> yeah uh, in Italy there was an entire movement that now is in the government that was really? launched by a stand up comedian and wow i think the interesting thing to to analyze here is how a comedian mm-hmm. uh, because he could speak because that's a language that everybody understands mm-hmm. was able mm-hmm. you know to polarize a lot of people and to bring the message and then to to change things yeah yeah it can mm-hmm. be very powerful it can be very sure. powerful so, yeah, yeah. yeah and i mean on many levels as well comedy is very therapeutic um i get this message often that i remember one of the very first videos i shared on facebook of me doing stand up with silnerechi One of my friends messaged me 
right the next day and she was like oh my god i i loved watching your video i was like breaking down because of stress from exams but then i watched your video and i laughed my ass off and i was like oh my god yay that's so nice <laughs> you're so welcome and please tell me more and i i realized also with comedy you can not only bring therapy to people and just maybe brighten their day a little bit but also you can use your own awful experiences and turn them into something hilarious and turn them into something that is not as uh, negatively influential. So um, I remember I had this story of the broken finger, which I, it was like a very dark day for me because my parents were fighting over whether my finger is broken or not. And generally Slovak hospitals are not the most attractive place to sit in for hours, but we did. But then I eventually turned it into a stand-up comedy bit and it became one of my most successful bits ever. And I did it on TV. I did it on um uh, with youtube i did it on tour and i really really loved it i loved performing it and especially because people not only got to see a little bit of what it's like to be an iranian migrant in slovakia but also what it's like to be like a troubled teenager <laughs> i really enjoyed that so part of your life yeah yeah exactly exactly for sure uh what do you um Uh, what are the 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 way you are trained are you know getting trained with it you just rehearse in front of the mirror or you yeah i mean yeah there is not much magic to it i think the most magical part is just when you are on stage try not to try to focus on your material and like don't faint or vomit or something like that uh and um uh we got it training in the sense that uh when my brother and i both started we would do three minute sets we would go on stage speak for three minutes and then the audience would say whether they liked us or not and the leader of the stand-up comedy group his name was uh yana gordulich he would tell us like okay this set was nice but maybe you can tell this joke like this so that people would understand it better mm-hmm. so we learned the craft maybe always step by step you always have to do as many performances as you can to get the most out of a joke and um what is really nice about silent issues like they really train you they tell you like okay this is what you need to do there's workshops you sit down with professional comedians and they tell you like oh okay i like that joke but maybe say it like this or they're like okay that joke doesn't make sense maybe to you and your friends but it's too much of an inside joke try telling it to your friends not on stage and um there's there's so much that you learn during these workshops not just about how funniness works but how people see things how people understand various concepts so if there's something that i'm going to talk about in english maybe i can use like not slovak references or slovak examples but i use international examples or but when i'm talking about making fun of bratislava then i can definitely use slovak examples and foreigners who are living in bratislava will completely understand But mostly it's like when we're doing English stand-up, we try to keep it as international as possible. But we always make fun of Bratislava, which is such an <laughs> easy target. <laughs> I know so most of your shows are in Bratislava, right? Yeah, yeah. But we also mm. do shows in English in Brno and in Vienna. Did you, did you travel also around Slovakia? Uh, we did, I think, two gigs in English uh, around mm, Slovakia. I think we did one in Trnava and, we, and one in... 
Banska Stjavnica, but um, there's still not much of a demand for English stand-up around, like, outside of Bratislava. With Slovak, stand- with Slovak stand-up, yes? Oh, yeah, with Slovak stand-up, definitely. There's constantly a show in another city. We're doing shows in festivals. We're doing shows in other cities, as in Slovak, in Brno, in Prague. We, I, uh, Silnerici did Slovak shows in England and also in America, so... <laughs> That's that's always been like a shock to me, like how that works. But there is always a demand for Slovak stand-up for sure, and for people to laugh. Yeah, that would be good <laughs> for sure, for sure. Maybe you know when you when you advertise your own uh, um, stand-up, mm-hmm. like with uh, you know you um, what's what's the way how you reach out to people? It's more Oof. posters, billboards. Uh, I mean, I always use like social media platforms such as Facebook or Instagram to advertise stand-up but I think the best way you can advertise stand-up is just tell your friends to bring friends that's it (laughs) and you and your friends come over and you like tell them like hey this particular alcoholic beverage is on sale and this show is actually for free so come on over enjoy yourselves have a laugh and that's probably one of the best ways we can advertise our brand mm-hmm. as um, stand-up comedians especially the English stand-up here we try to make sure that like people just have fun so mm. Facebook is still like uh, the main way yeah to, for sure for sure we get, we use like sometimes like paid advertisements and everything and that always brings a whole bunch of cool people around I loved it <laughs> Uh, is there anything that you would like to share we didn't talk about? I mean, there's so much that I could talk about. I mean, eight years is a long time uh, with living in Slovakia. My Slovak experience, I would have to say, has been 99% positive and the other percent and not so positive, but it's not definitely negative. I, I genuinely love my life in Slovakia. I do. And I owe so much to Slovak culture and Slovak people. So I can never speak badly of them. But obviously I know that they're not like perfect and they're flawed on many, in many ways, like everyone else, like every other nationality and ethnicity. So if there is anything I can do as an Iranian who's been living in Slovakia for eight years, maybe I can like contribute to their culture by bringing multiculturalism a little bit like further and everything. And I'm not only just doing stand-up, I'm moderating uh, discussions on foreign life here in Slovakia, in English and in Slovak. I mm, travel with NGOs and I tell people about my story and my experience as a migrant, not just as a stand-up comedian. And I do everything I can so that I can share my experience with people who have the potential to be friendly and foreign loving but don't know it yet you know yeah but I, i'm always questioning when you know when you we, we talk about uh you know the, the good human rights the good way of behaving the good way of being open yeah. towards foreigners and how to you know respect minorities and integrate everyone mm-hmm. uh, I, i've generally found find a you know common agreement with yeah. everybody i'm talking to Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, wh- who exactly is against that? Or where? I think, as I said, it's this casual racism that ends up being the fuel for 
the hate speeches, the extremism and everything. And it's not the people that we talk to. Obviously, the people that we talk to are the ones that have the potential to be open. Obviously, the people we talk to are the ones that are already like smart, informed and not necessarily living in a bad condition to be blaming it on minorities. But it's the fact that we expose ourselves to people that may be in touch with people who have never seen a foreigner in their life. Mm -hmm. We are exposing ourselves to people who may be having friends that voted for the Nazi party in the parliament. And what we can do maybe is maybe just spread the reputation of like a good migrant. And that's it. That's all you have to do. Because at the end of the day, it's like, oh, these bad immigrants, they come here, they steal our jobs. And then it, like one person can casually come to the conversation and be like, oh, by the way, actually, no, because my friend who's been living here for eight years has been paying taxes and technically migrants have to pay extra because, for example, since you're not a Slovak citizen, you have to pay 3,000 euros a year for university. Yeah. And that's just my university. For medical students, it's 9,000 euros a year. So it's like just casually spreading these like repu this reputation this this idea that we're not the enemy and that we are as we said like living in the same society that, that those people are and just because we're not in contact with them doesn't mean they're not there but that doesn't mean that we can't change their minds either just with you know just simple contact just saying like but yeah i i pay taxes i um would vote but i can't so i'm not influencing your politicians and the way they no, you uh, can in like, the administrative maybe since you're a resident right? mm, i'm not i'm not a permanent resident yet oh, okay so but in the politic of course you need to be slovak so i guess you're not yet yeah, slovak yeah. i still have to work on that but that may be also one of my main complaints i've been here like eight years i speak fluent slovak i've had slovak boyfriends and i still don't have slovak citizenship but you, you need 10 years i think yeah but it's like so come on you need to wait a little bit Just more give me a passport already yeah. <laughs> But with your with your language, it's uh, you know I think the English, the, the Slovak test and the dictate and those you know impossible yeah. tests are easy for you. So I think I think things. I can pass it. I think uh, also thanks to stand up, I get a lot of like special treatment. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's still a weird thing to me. I mean, I always wonder why you that we need to pass a test mm -hmm. to be just officially mm -hmm. something that I've been doing for so many years. Yeah and. It doesn't really matter so much mm -hmm. what is the nationality. We are all in the you know, same kind of European Union in the world. At the end, it does. It's not yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more uh, until the dudes that are you know, governing, <laughs> not understanding, it doesn't really make sense so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, and also with bureaucratic things, I think you can never win. Like, <laughs> it's not just in this country. There's like certain weird laws, like for example, in uh, Canada, that people have to keep up with when it comes to like migrants and residency and like just getting a visa. And overall, I don't think like for. Because of the fact that most of my f family members are migrants themselves, they move to various other countries. I'm familiar with a lot of migration laws from other countries, mm -hmm. but Slovakia has really harsh ones, but it's not the only country with like weird expectations when it comes to, for example, getting a passport or, mm -hmm. or um, getting residency or something like that. And also it doesn't have so much tradition of immigration, I would yeah, say, to, yeah. to be developed in that area, right? Mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. colonies, no... No history of the country, more than 20 years. 
<laughs> they haven't invaded anyone, really. <laughs> no invasion from like a side. Yeah. But did you also do like the queue in the? Oh yeah, of course. Your experience with the alien <laughs> police. I mean, in my experience with the foreign police has always been such a like trauma. Um, like everyone else, like just casually being used to waiting for ten hours, so you can go in and talk to an officer for ten minutes is something that I think a lot of foreigners have in common with each other. But I think it does it does um, take a lot out of you, especially when you're standing there and you feel awful and the environment is kind of hostile and everything in the foreign police and people are battling for their lives there because they don't want to lose their residency. Um, but overall, if like I think if you ask anyone, it's just, it's like, two percent of your life here in Slovakia yeah of course. maximum 10 and if it means suffering 10 percent so you can like enjoy yourself and just casually chill in a pub with your friends then I'm in <laughs> sign me up I know that sometimes it takes like one more or two more steps for me to be with my friends it doesn't matter I'm home here it's worth it for me but I know a lot of people complain a lot of people are unhappy and a lot of people can't really sacrifice 10 hours of waiting just so that they can go into the office and then be rejected after five minutes for trying to apply for something. You told me that it's improved with the new... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's improved a little bit, but um, overall it it wasn't easy doing these things or like just seeing like the frustration in people's eyes and the desperation in their faces. It It was really hard to witness and to consume because... As much as I talk about how people are nice and they're loving and open, sometimes when it comes to bureaucracy, it's always such a battle that it's not always easy to watch and be yeah. like, okay, cool, Slovakia loves us. I remember when I got married, that oh, was God. also a complex <laughs> documentation to, to gain and so on. I yeah. always thank my wife for this, actually, because she... Mm. Uh, and, and, and that's why I actually feel very lucky, because mm. she is Slovak, so she could speak Slovak and help yeah, me yeah. out with all this bureaucracy. I wonder if you're a foreigner and you have no idea about Slovak mm-hmm, accents, mm-hmm. it can be quite hard. Yeah. And especially for non-EU citizens, it's always extra hard because EU kind of have has a lot of things covered. Like you don't necessarily have to register yourself instantly when you move here, but when you move here as a non-EU citizen, you have to instantly register yourself, let people know what you're doing, why you're here and everything. So, but as I said, Two percent of life, it's okay, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth the bureaucracy. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing. Your, thank you your so your much for letting me ramble for like uh, twenty minutes. Before before we, we we close, I would like you know if, who is listening, if they would like to learn something from your activities or you know find you out somewhere and have a have a, ask Ooh, a question uh, anything. Where where can we point them? Where they can mm, there is many Facebook pages where I always recommend, but the most important one is the Jokes on You Facebook page. If you like that, you can follow our events. There's videos of me performing in English. There's uh, I'm going to be performing at their events most of the time. I'm going to be there. And I just want to say that that's the brand that we're working on. And mainly we kind of we're trying to do what you're doing with your podcast maybe just talking about our Slovak experience as migrants and overall as people not just like migrants living in Slovakia but people so we can we can make Bratislava a little bit friendlier towards Mm -hmm. foreigners 
there might be more people than to bring to the podcast from from that group as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I would love for more comedians to come on over down here. If you have anyone, I'm always happy to you know come and uh, and ask. Will do. Next lesson. Next session should be my older brother. <laughs> cool. Accept that. Okay. So older brother of Nasi, come to my Slovak <laughs> Experience podcast. You are invited officially. So thank you so much. It has been very, very pleasant to, to have a conversation. To you. Thank I you for having me. Thank to you. To have a new one, maybe once you will have much more of your success. I remember in, in, the, in this last time you, yeah. you've been in TV recently as well. Yeah. You have a very big wave of popularity. So I wish you much, yeah. much more of it. I'll see if I have time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for listening to my Slovak experience. See you at the next interview. Till then, have fun, share and enjoy.